everybody. Feels like you're just stepping out of one boat into another. This here, this is stepping out on water. This ain't the best service. I love you. The submission ain't submission till it feels like submission. That's right. This is the beauty of the basement. Love, it makes you feel like you just want to tell everything. What's up, basement dwellers? I'm so grateful that you are here. I'm on the set of Tome and uh, get this opportunity to just remind you uh, to go to thepeaceofmindcourse.com. Doesn't matter if you are uh, someone that works in a call center or you're wildly successful like my friend Michelle Williams who's performed Super Bowl halftime shows with Beyonce and Kelly Rowland, right? Uh, we all need peace of mind. And so I want you to invest in yourself. I want you to get this material. I want you to go through this course. Why? Because on the other side of it, you're going to be the freest version of yourself that you've ever thought possible. No matter where you think you are right now, on the other side of this program, you will be completely brand new. So I need you to go to thepeaceofmindcourse.com and let's get better together. Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the basement. I am your host, Tim Ross. I love you guys so much. And it is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. It is 11. Oh, it is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And all around the world, we got people that are tuning in, listening, wherever you're from. This is live, so throw it in the chat. Let us know where you're repping us from. I am here with my faithful producers, the Dream Team. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. It takes two to make a thing go right. Tim, are you sad there wasn't a grilled cheese? It takes two to make it out of sight. Yeah, bro, I don't have a grilled cheese today. (laughs) I had to get a parfait from Starbucks. They didn't have no grilled cheese. How you not have a grilled cheese? We started a grilled cheese movement. And the next time I try to re-up, they don't have it. And so now the mouth noises y'all get today are sponsored by a berry parfait from Starbucks. I think 60, No, I'm almost done with it. I think 60 people actually purchased a grilled cheese on behalf of being compelled by the basement. Fam, I don't and I hoped you liked it. I I mean, um, and I did eat some grilled cheeses. Uh, is that even, can I say grilled cheeses? Grilled chai, chai can't be the plural of cheese, fam. If, if that's the case, then I'm drinking chai lattes and it's just a cheese latte. No, um, uh, there were some people that, uh, let us know that they were lactose intolerant and because they were lactose intolerant, they were living vicariously through us. So, um, there is some vegan cheese out there. Oh, snap. I just put. I didn't know that top hat. I just messed up this top. Anyway, um, I'll clean that up. Uh, uh, there, there, there is some vegan cheese out there, but I'm sure somebody could have a really lovely grilled cheese sandwich without having to feel like they're dying. 
um, because they're 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 exploding internally. Hey Nate, I um, accidentally made spill. Can you just get a napkin? Would that be hard for you to do? Thank you, baby. So anyway, I love you guys. I hope you guys are doing well. And um, this is live Ember. We have been uh, live all month, the whole month of November. It was It started off spontaneous. We were just going to do the first uh, Tuesday live. And then we decided, thank you so much, bro. You are the MVP, my friend. You are the absolute MVP, bro. Thank you so much, bro. I love your whole life. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, baby. So, um, so what are we getting into tonight, fellas? Um, y'all know, hey, I'm looking right in the camera. I love you guys so much. And I'm so grateful that you're here. And wh whether you whether you are watching live, listening live, or, you know, we go to the gym in the morning with people now. You know what I'm saying? I was in Miami, and uh, this lady walked up to me, and she was like, uh, 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 I go to the gym with you every morning. And like 10 seconds later, her husband walked up and I was like, hey, sir, I just want to let you know that when your wife just said that I go to the gym with her every morning, because I'm a literalist. So I was like, I need you to know I'm in her ear, fam. I don't be with your wife literally at 530 in the morning going to the gym. So um, because that's how rumors get started. Uh, So. Uh, but no, it's like whether 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 you listen to the pod in your workouts or whether you are in traffic at, you know, 730 in the morning trying to make it to work by eight or eight thirty or whatever. Or, you, you know, you listen to us at home while you're cleaning. I don't know, man, wherever you listen to us at. I just I'm, I hope you don't get tired of me saying it because because words of affirmation is my love language. So um, I hope you don't get tired of me saying it, Basement Dwellers. I love you all. I don't take you all for granted. And you being here with us is an amazing thing. So, yeah, that's all. That's all I want to say as we get ready to get started. What's cracking? Are you excited tonight? I am excited tonight, bro. I am. I am. I've been doing a lot of um, reflecting on, you know, my transition you know, I'm basically like six weeks out from this being like really official official. You know what I mean? Yeah. So December 31st is my last day at Embassy City and um, I won't be a lead pastor anymore. Uh, and I'm going to be a um, content creator and a podcaster um, that sometimes preaches at churches. Uh, but what's clear to me is that... Um, this is my next and this is not um, the basement is not like a good idea. The basement is God's idea and he gave it to me and subsequently us. He gave us the basement before this season was done. So it would be very, very clear um, what I'm supposed to do next. And so the basement is not like some pet project that I'm going to be doing on the side while I take on like, you know, four or five other jobs, I'm not going to be doing, you know, like a hundred thousand miles a year traveling around the globe. Um, I think my next season is to spend, I don't know, 10, 20 years sitting in a chair, helping to disciple people and mentor people through areas of their life. Um, if they don't have proximity to somebody one-on-one -on -one in person, 
Um, or maybe they do, and I'm just supplement. You know what I mean? I might just be vitamin B. You know what I'm saying? We had vitamin E for Embassy City. Now we got vitamin B for the basement. Let's go. I love it. It's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy. So, so no, this is my, I'm committing my life um, to what God gave me, what God gave us. And that was this vision of getting as many people to the basement as I can. And so to that end, um, I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table. And um, I'm not really betting on myself. I'm betting on God. And I just happen to be at the dealer's table with him. I, I know somebody's going to unsubscribe because they think, God's not gambling. <laughs> Can't believe you even. God's not gambling. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's going to make a YouTube video. 100%. That last 15 minutes breaking down how, <laughs> how dumb I am. Have at it, fam. Have at it. So you've been saying that you're out here on water and Sierra wants to talk about that and says that she's out here on water as well and has no clue what's next. Can we discuss what that's like in like when you're walking through a season of life where mm-hmm. you just have no idea like what the next step even looks like? Sierra, so I love you, girl. I'm assuming that's a girl. Um, Sierra, I love you. And walking on water practically uh will leave you feeling incredibly disoriented. Know that up front. You are going to feel so disoriented. You may feel weightless. You may feel, everybody thinks floating is fun. Floating is not fun. Floating is hell. Because you're not grounded. And we were, we were created to be grounded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so that zero gravity phase of like, man, I do not know where I am. I don't know up from down right now. I am living in ambiguity that feels very, very foreign to me. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. You're, you're going to feel disoriented. Um, uh, but disorientation and confusion are two different things. God's not the author of confusion, right? I'm stepping into a season of ambiguity. I do not know, Sierra, what my next really looks like. Like, I know I'm doing a podcast. I hope it keeps the lights on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, there's, I, I, there's more I don't know than I do know. Let's be clear. I'm not confused. There's nothing confusing about what's happening right now. It's ambiguous. It's disorienting. I'm not confused, though. God's not the author of confusion. So let's be clear that you can feel disorientation and you can feel this ambiguity, but it doesn't have to lead to confusion. Right? The enemy wants to keep us confused. And, and keep things very, very murky. Uh, God might not be giving you details, but his instructions are clear. Go. <laughs> Where am I going? I ain't talking to you about that yet. Just go, right? So um, I'm doing that, right? God's not, I, there's downloads that I'm not going to receive until January 1st of 2023 and beyond. Because God won't speak to me about what's next until I, I obey what he's told me to do right now. So what's next and what's now are two different things. Don't worry about what's next. Handle up on what's now. And as you handle up on on what's now, like Morpheus said to Neo in the first Matrix, rest, Sierra. The answers are coming. So that's that's my answer for you, Sierra. I hope that helps.
All right, dude. So you were just in Miami, mm-hmm. and that was an amazing trip. A lot happened. We we spent some time at uh, an insane Latino conference. Mm-hmm. Crazy amount of of people, lives being changed. A lot of cool speakers. Super dope movement. And we spent time with Rich, Rich Wilkerson, and yep. his people. By the way, some of the sweetest people Mm-mm. I've ever met in my entire life, dude. Dude, <laughs> let me tell you something. Rich and Don Cherie, they can't do no wrong, really. Not to, not for me, anyway. Those people love Jesus. For real, for real. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, doing that conference, this was the, was this your second apostolic, like, mission? Because the first was Transformation Conference, and this being the second, or... What's the order there? Well, yeah, transformation was first, Delaware was second, and so this was third. Okay. Yeah. Well, dude, walk me, please walk us through uh, your process. You you spoke at a Latino conference. Mm-hmm. I saw you get bombarded multiple times in the hallway, which was hilarious. So many people just compelled yep. and impacted by your message and the basement, and then your time with uh, Rich as well. So um, the Latino summit was absolutely amazing. Um, I actually posted it on Instagram, and I got a lot of people, surprisingly, that just didn't understand the context to it. And they were, like, saying, like, oh, there's a, you're going to a Latino summit. They don't even have Latino speakers, right? And there were several Latino speakers that were actually on the on, at the summit. Um, they just didn't have what would be, like, traditional Latino last names. Uh, with that said, what I think a lot of people lost – like context on is the fact that um, this particular Latino summit and the leaders that come to it represent about 350,000 Latinos in Latin America. So this is their only United States stop for like the year, right? This might be one of two. I think they do one in Miami and one in San Diego. So it may be twice a year. Okay. But what, what is important to understand is that when they come to America, because the whole movement is in Latin America and they're with Spanish speakers solamente, right? Only like the whole time. Then when they come to America, they want to hear from some American speakers that have a heart for Latin America. I mean, dang, everything ain't got to be a revolution. Okay. Viva la raza. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the movement, folks. I love Latinos. I'm from Southern California. It was Mexico. How can I not love Hispanic people, Latin people, avocados, salsa, okay, and, and, and brown? Like, I mean, these are the people I grew up with, okay? So, um... So it was wonderful, and it was just another reminder, first of all, for me to continue practicing my Spanish. Like, it just reinvigorated me, even, like, with, like, my 62 words and phrases that I know. They just embraced me and acted like I was fluent. And so um, uh, it's, I, I'm going to be fluent in Spanish. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak in Spanish because I love – when you're from a different cu- culture and country – the greatest way to express love for somebody from a different country is to learn their language. 
And I can't keep saying that I love the Hispanic community if I don't learn, or the Latino community if I don't learn Spanish. So I'm 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 learning it. I'm learning it. So uh, it was it was absolutely amazing. I loved every every moment of it. And then um, on the tail end of it, right before we went back to the airport, um, Vu Church, which is a dope church in uh, Miami, um, Rich Wilkerson Jr. and I planted our churches on the same weekend in the same year. So so basically we twinned. We gave birth on the same day, right, uh, to our churches. And what God has done with Vu Church in Miami and the surrounding area in the last seven years has been absolutely amazing. Don Cherie and, and, and Rich are just two of the most brilliant cultural architects I've ever known. Um, their, their heart for evangelism, their heart for just people, their love for people uh, is absolutely infectious. And so um, they were having like a leader leaders day, uh, team leaders. And I got opportunity to, to go and just speak with leaders, which I love speaking to leaders. And um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure as God continues to, do whatever he does with this platform, right? Because we're not in charge of subscriptions. We're not in charge of um, uh, our influence. We're not in charge of the reach. Uh, We're just in charge of stewarding what he gave us, right? He's in charge of the numbers. He's in charge of the algorithm. He's in charge of the finances. I'm not in charge of any of that. My job is stewardship. His job is provision and protection and all that kind of stuff. Um. But I believe as God continues to widen this platform, um, I will preach at churches less and less. Um, and that's to focus my voice here and not to spread my voice thin. I love the art of preaching. I love preaching. I've been preaching for 26 years. I'll never stop preaching. Um, but that won't be my primary thing. And so, um, but I love talking to leaders. And this is something about me. I'm I'm a maximizer. If anybody out there has ever done uh, uh, Clifton's Strength Finders, um, uh, maximizer is one of my strengths. And maximizers, in a nutshell, they love taking stuff from good to great. And so, I I I I I would never want to hang out with somebody who sucked at something. And and try to like like if somebody was like a terrible speaker, I. I don't don't ask me to help you learn how to speak because if you suck at speaking the best you'll ever be is average right like go work with your hands run a football dunk a basketball paint something code you know what I'm saying go go into IT right but if somebody's like a really good speaker um then they should come holler at me because I can make you, I, I, I can't make you great. I don't want to say it that way, but I, I can help you turn what is good about what you do into what is great. It's only going to take a couple of tweaks. So the maximizers, they love developers, developers in, in the strength finders. They love taking stuff that's like kind of shabby and broken and building it up. That ain't me. It needs to already be good. I'll take it to great. But if something is is terrible, 
I'm not. It, it takes way more effort to take something terrible and bring it up to average than it is for to take something that's good and turn it into great. And so, um, I, I'll do. I'll, I'll preach on weekends less and less because. Um, and this is futuristic. I'm talking futuristically, right? I'm not talking about like next week. You know what I mean? I don't want nobody to get scared. Uh, uh, but um, I'll I'll preach less on weekends and I'll do more leadership stuff because if I if I if I get to teach leaders, I'm actually reaching more people. And this is how my brain thinks as a maximizer. I reach more people. If I'm in a room with 50 leaders, I'll actually reach more people than if I'm in a room with a thousand people. Because what I put in those 50 leaders is going to scale way faster than if I just talk to a thousand people on a weekend. So put me in a room with leaders. I can rock all night. Um, and so I got to talk to those leaders. Yo, that was a that was dope, Hector. Like being in the room with them leaders was. It was it, it felt right. It well, felt right. And you you looked very, very comfortable Yay. where. Uh, standing on that stage with that microphone, it was absolutely different than uh, preaching a sermon yes. on a weekend. Completely oh, for sure. opposite, different. Oh, for sure. Um, because uh, I think you had said this when we were there with Rich, but uh, for you, you didn't have to add fluff on the top, in the middle, and the end to make sure the flow feels good for a weekend service. Because, right. you know, it's a diverse crowd. Yeah. Th- these were 200 plus people committed to wanting to grow in their leadership. Yep. So I feel like, dude, you were able to just free flow as if we were in your house. For sure. It. So uh, it was really cool seeing that in you. And uh, I feel like that's going to be a big thing. God's going to bring your way next year. Well, leader- leadership is a big deal. Um, There's personal leadership. I'm really big into that. Um, th- There is um team leadership. Um, there's personal development. I've been trained in all that kind of stuff, you know, um, uh, EQI 360, strategic operations, Stratop. So I love doing all that kind of stuff with leaders. Um, and don't get me wrong, like the weekend experience is amazing and talking to the, the big C church and, and, and the larger body of Christ, the local community. That's all good. But man, um, yo, I'm 47. I'm, I'm going to say some stuff that, that that's probably going to be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause let, let me, let me say some stuff. Okay. So, so I'm 47 years old. I started preaching when I was 20. Let that marinate real quick. So I've been preaching 27 years. I could preach another 20 years. Could. Um, you know, what excites me more than preaching another 20 years. Um, finding a 22 year old who has an anointing to preach and helping him set up his life with the gift that God already gave him. Because I can't give nobody the gift to preach. You either got that or you don't. Yep. I can't give nobody an anointing. God has to give that to you. And just so everybody knows, anointing is not chill bumps. Anointing is not goosebumps. Anointing is not the way somebody sounds or the way you feel. The anointing is God's approval on the gift that he gave you. That's all the anointing is. God's anointing is his approval on the gift that he gave you. His gifts and callings are without repentance. His anointing he can take back anytime he wants to because it belongs to him. So I know, the, I know a lot of gifted people that are not anointed. God doesn't approve of what they're doing with their gift. He's never going to take the gift back, but his anointing, his approval, he can take that back anytime he wants. Right? So, um, and the anointing is what does all the, his approval on your gift is when you start doing this, 
uh, uh, the things that that are in your strength impossible, but with God, all things become possible. If I can hang out with a 22-year-old that has a gifting to preach and I can I can give him some tools and, and give him some philosophies, basement philosophies, right, that make him not jack up his entire life, I win. Why, why do I need to preach? Let the 22-year-old preach. I've, I've done it 27 years. I've done it longer than this person's been alive. Let him preach. There's an anointing on him that's good. Here's what I want to help him do. I want him, I want to mitigate his stupidity. That's what I want to do for a 22-year-old guy or a 2020-year-old girl, 22-year-old girl. I want to help them not be stupid. I want to make sure that this guy makes it to 30 without having a baby out of wedlock. Cause he said he loved Jesus. Right? I ain't talking about no, right? I ain't talking about no unsaved person. I'm talking about a dude that gave his life to Jesus. He's 22 years old. And he, as much as he loved Jesus and as anointing as his preaching is, he's probably horny. Okay. Um, and uh, whether he has attraction to women or men, I don't care. Right. I'm going to teach him how to walk in the ways that bring pleasure to God and give him a good reputation with men. Right. And so um, I help people not be stupid. That's my mentorship style. It is not for everybody. I know that my discipleship style is not for everybody. There's been some people that have heard, you know, some of the stuff that we put out and they're like, I don't I don't like him. He's abrasive. That guy's full of pride. I can't get past his delivery. He oh, who talks like that. I do. I talk like this. Go find somebody that talks different. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm somebody's cup of tea, though. You know what I mean? So I just do what I do. And, and so, but that's what I do more than anything. I don't make people great. God makes people great. And any leader that even tries to convince you that they're going to make you great, stop playing. Stop playing. Like, like, like there's certain people that have platforms and the way they woo people to come work for them is that I'm going to make you great. I'm going to put you on. I'm going to make you somebody. Only God can make me somebody. You can't make me nobody. God didn't make you. I mean, I mean, you didn't make you. God made you. So for me, my philosophy is always, hey, it looks like you, you have a great gift. I see that gift. Man, it looks like, man, I can sense that God's anointing is on your life. How's your heart, though? Do you know your weaknesses? When I ask you that question, I'm not trying to get dirt on you. I'm trying to see if you're self-aware. Because <laughs> if you don't know where you can get punched in the mouth, oh, you're done. Right? Show me a great NFL team. I can, they make it to the Super Bowl. They can tell you if, they, if they're going to lose the Super Bowl, here's how we'll lose. We're soft up the middle. If somebody has a great run game, we're going to be exposed. Right? You got to know your weaknesses. And so um, as much as life within me, everybody, anytime, anytime we jump, in, jump off in the basement, I'm trying to help people understand that uh, the reason why it's the reason why the invitation to come to the basement is so counterintuitive because they think, well, well, how do I get to the top floor if you're telling me to come down here? Well, the way you get to the top floor or the top, whatever you think that looks like for you, is that God will elevate you. You don't need an elevator 
when you have the elevator. God elevates people. Not the corporate ladder. God elevates people. Not your LinkedIn network. God elevates people. Not the plug you have to the conference. God elevates people. Not the blackmail you have on your pastor. God elevates people. And he raises some up and he puts some people down. And that's that's God's, that's how God's always done it. That's not going to change. And so trying to help people understand that and navigate that, that's what that's what I'm here to do. I feel like this ties into Vanessa's question, which is uh, how do I get out of an elevator that keeps going up and down? Hey, I just, slow down, Sam. Slow down, yeah, Sam. Yeah, slow yeah, down. Yeah. I just love the fact that you're giving me these people's names. I just love the <laughs> the personal touch. I love you're these giving people. It every- I love these people, Sammy, man. <laughs> Sammy, that's my heart, fam. That's I love it. And it's so smooth the way you did it, too. Like, hey, man, that's so awesome because Vanessa, it's like she, (laughs) I'm looking around the corner like, Vanessa here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She right here. Where'd she get here? (laughs) What's up, Vanessa? All right, all right. I'm sorry. All right. No, no, no. You're good. good. I just love the personal touch, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, she wants to know, how do I get out of an elevator that keeps going up and down when I just want to step out in faith and stay in the basement, but I feel distractions and life issues have kept me from walking out my purpose? Read that again slower. I got you. How do I get out of an elevator that keeps going up and down? I just want to step out in faith and stay in the basement, but I feel distractions, life issues have kept me from walking out my purpose. Okay, Vanessa, I'm going off of basically how you wrote it, okay? How do I get off an elevator that's up and down? That makes it sound like you're not in control. Mm. Right. If I'm going with the imagery that that she painted, either somebody pressed all the buttons in the elevator. And you just you you know what I mean? That person that you get on the elevator, you're trying to go to six, but they pressed one, two, three, four and five. (laughs) So you got to go. You're forced to go up, you know. Um, I also think she's tying it into your uh, the top floor. Understood. In the basement. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. But even then, still, it, it, with that analogy, there's only there was only lobby, mm-hmm. one hundred, and then B. So if it's going up and down and up and down and up and down, it sounds like you keep getting on it. And if you come down to the basement and you get off the elevator, don't get back on the elevator. Right. I came down to the basement in my mentality. Every promotion I've had since then, God's given to me. I didn't have to get back on the elevator to get promoted. Right. God, remember, there's an elevator and there is an elevator. God is the one that elevates us. We let him do the elevating, which is why we can comfortably get off the elevator Because we don't need it anymore. Anytime we think that we have to take matters into our own hand, that's when we step in the elevator. And so you have to, ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, Vanessa, you have to get off the elevator and deal with your FOMO. 
I think that's what's making you get back on the elevator. Is you think you're going to miss something. You actually think that there is a there is a time constraint and that if it doesn't happen in this time that you kind of had in your head that you're going to miss something. But girl, I'm telling you, you better buckle up if 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 you're going to trust God cuz he'll keep you he'll he'll let you sit in that basement until you think you'll you're never going anywhere. Cuz what he needs to die in you is the very thing that will kill you if you don't let it die. If you're skittish now, you'll be skittish then. If you don't trust him now, you won't trust him then. So so I, I, I think for you, God is being kind enough not to promote you past your level of patience. Mm. <laughs> I felt that thing. So so the, the best advice I can give you, Vanessa, is uh, be patient. Patience is what you need now. Oh, I think that's in. Uh, let, let me let me give you a Bible verse. This is a Bible verse for Vanessa. Uh, it is in Hebrews. It feels like it's Hebrews. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, 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 it's so good. Okay, um, Vanessa, this is this is for you. This is uh, Hebrews chapter number ten, verse number thirty-six. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. Okay, that for sure. Is your verse. Tattoo that thing, girl. Highlight it, underline it, get your Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 36. Patient endurance is what you need. When? Right now. So that you will continue to do God's will. If you don't exhibit some patience, you will stop doing God's will. You need patient endurance to continue to do God's will. Then... You will receive all that he has promised you. Everybody, okay, so we, we're, we're, we're over the whole uh, beautifully bewildering experience we're all having with the basement, right? Done. It's over with, right? Okay, God's doing a new thing. Wow. Oh, my God. Look at what he has done. And here's what people say. Oh, my God, where did you come from? It's one of the questions I've been asked a lot lately, especially on Instagram. Where did you come from? I came from Maxine's womb at 8.26 p.m. on a Thursday, June 26, 1975. I've been coming here for 47 years. It took me 47 years to arrive at this place that in four months has produced this kind of like boom. It's 47 years in the making, fam. <laughs> he gave me the vision of the basement when I was 30 years old. That's 17 and a half years ago. So where did I come from? 
I came from 47 years of experience. That's where I came from. But if I didn't exercise patient endurance, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be following God's will right now. Then you will receive everything that God has promised you. So 47 years of living, got a vision of the basement when I was 30 years old, and it literally took 17 years to bring that to pass. 17 years to bring that to pass. So you can get a vision right now and you can feel it so, because remember, we are souls that are inside a body. So our souls are eternal. That, that's why I can remember first grade like it was earlier today. Because my, where my memories are, are stored, my soul can interact with that. And that doesn't feel like, you know, 42 years ago. Or 41 years ago. That feels like earlier today. My soul's eternal. My body is what's getting older. Gracefully, though. Gracefully. Let's, let's make sure everybody knows that. Yeah. My melanin is uh, it's pretty blessed. Pretty blessed. So, uh, yeah. I hope that helps her. So, in the... In the chat, there's been a consistent theme of asking about hearing the Lord. Mm. Uh, Joshua Banton asked, how do you personally, um, how have you learned to hear God so clearly? Yeah, so uh, great question, Joshua. Uh, I, again, y'all know I'm like regular degular. I'm basic. I love to give y'all like practical application stuff. I, I mean, how many, how many sermons have we heard on hearing God? And this is still the question. How do you hear God? <laughs> How many books have been written on hearing God? And then here's what people still asking. How do you hear God? So so um, let me give you the most practical answer I can give you. I learned to hear God by reading his word. And the reason why I began to hear God more clearly um, outside of reading his word uh, was because of how much I actually read his word. Now, please take this. This is It is not going to get any simpler than this from me. Might be simpler from somebody else. It won't be more simpler than this from me. God sounds like what he wrote. So I usually feel like I'm certain when God's speaking to me because he sounds like what he wrote. If he said it, to me, if I believe I heard the Lord, I'm going to find it in what he wrote. Most times when I didn't hear God or I thought I heard God and I missed God, it was because I couldn't trace it back to the word. So he sounds like what he wrote. And in order for you to know what he sounds like, I think you have to read his letters. Now, here is my uh, practical application of this. So Joshua, let's just say uh, before technology, right? We're not we're not here being able to, wherever you are right now, you're able to hit a couple of keystrokes on your phone or on a laptop or whatever, and we can see it instantly and we can talk. But let's 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 go back 40 years. Okay. So we go back 40 years. I'm seven, Joshua. I don't even know if you're born, but let's just say you are. And so we're pen pals. And I have a friend named Joshua, and he lives in Kentucky. And Joshua lives in Kentucky, and I write Joshua a letter, and I always say, hey, it's me, Timmy, 
and I'm eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich right now, and I'm drinking a glass of milk, and I'm writing you a letter. How are you doing? How are your parents? What's the weather like in Kentucky? And then I put it in an envelope, and then I put a stamp on it, and I put it in the mailbox, and it goes through the post office, and then it gets to Kentucky, and Joshua opens the letter, and he reads it, and hey, it's Timmy, and he's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he's drinking a glass of milk. And All right, so for, for four years, we're pen pals. In every single one of my letters, I mention that I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drinking some milk. So four years later, what does that make me? I'm 11 now, okay? And my parents are going on vacation to Kentucky. Don't ask me why. Just go with the story. So uh, we we wind up in Kentucky, of all places, from Inglewood, California. And guess what? We're going to stop by my friend Joshua's house. Joshua's so happy to, to know that I'm coming and we're finally going to meet in person. And so what does he do? He makes me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk. I come and I hug Joshua and his parents and everybody's like, oh, my God, they've been pen pals for so long. And and they finally get to me. And so y'all come in and I sit down and um, uh, I see a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the table and a glass of milk. My mom is mortified. <gasps> what is that? Mrs. Ross is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Joshua's like, yeah, Timmy, I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Because in all your letters, you like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And my mom's mortified. And she's like, Tim's allergic to peanut butter. And I'm like, yeah, Josh, you trying to kill me? Let it marinate. Well, I... I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But now you're telling me you're allergic to peanuts. You don't sound like what you wrote. Your words on this paper say you like peanut butter and jelly. But the words out of your mouth don't match that. You don't sound like what you wrote. So either I'm not the real Timmy or something's off and that needs to be reconciled. Well, in the same way, how many people that we know, do we know that say, thus said the Lord, but we can't trace it back to scripture. I don't receive every word somebody gives me. I can't trace it back to scripture. And so you don't, God don't sound like that. Right? Okay, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm about to I'm about to murk some some prophets right now. I feel it. It's about to it's about to happen. Somebody's about to get delivered from some prophets. I'm about to murk them right now. I feel it. Man, they these prophets got like another couple of minutes to run and hide. Cause they about to get they about to get murked. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. Um, and Paul just get the uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Love is kind, love is this, love is that, love is the other, right? Um, so let me just start at the first verse. Here's what it says. Uh, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. 
For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. I'm going to read it again. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So how many people have gotten prophetic word that wasn't strengthening, it wasn't encouraging, and it wasn't comforting? If you've received a prophetic word and it, was, and it didn't strengthen you, it didn't encourage you, and it didn't comfort you, it wasn't a prophetic word. There, I just marked some false prophets with a mean self. Prophesying all angry. Telling you you're about to go to. <laughs> no, you're, you're just mean and you're nasty and, 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 and you're hiding behind prophetess and you got a you gotta kid in play fade and your hair is red. And uh, I'm not coming after nobody's head hairdos. Uh, let me stop. Um, I'm just a little hurt. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 prophecy is supposed to strengthen you. It's supposed to encourage you, and it's supposed to comfort you. Yeah. If you've received a prophetic word and it and it doesn't sound like that, it didn't come from the Lord. The Lord ain't out to hurt people's feelings. Even when He wants to, and and King James talks about exhortation. It doesn't say. Uh, encouragement it says exhortation i actually like that word better i'm gonna go with exhortation because you can exhort somebody to do the right thing and it still feel uplifting like like let's just say somebody was struggling with porn right and you get a prophetic word and uh somebody said where we call a lot of stuff prophecy uh but it's really a word of knowledge but it kind of it gets lumped in with prophecy but word of knowledge and prophecy are two different things um those spiritual gifts that that Paul writes about in um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, actually, is where the spiritual gifts are. And I think the administrative gifts are in Romans 12. So, yeah, that's correct. So um, uh, somebody can have a word of knowledge and, and they give you a prophetic word, right? And, and they're like, uh, hey, listen, um, God loves you so much. And uh, you could have been struggling uh, with lust. And... Um, God just wants you to know he loves you so much that, that that he really wants you to have love. Lust is this counterfeit. He doesn't want you to be involved in that. He, he wants you to feel love. Man, that's like, that feels good, right? All right, let's switch to the to the mean prophet. I feel a word coming for you. You got a, you, you got a lust demon. You've been, you've been masturbating and jacking off at night and God ain't pleased and you're going to bust hell wide open looking at all that nudity spirit of perversion come off of you right now in Jesus name nah fam mm. retire hey prophet retire shaky hand, mm. hand prophet mm. with your mean words mm. you have no tact you need to retire fam you're done you're done, fam. We got a we got a word from God for you. And the word is be nicer. Deliver that a little bit better, fam, because you're not doing it right. Tim, can I just uh ask if 
what where did a lot of that culture originate from you know i grew up in latino church and <laughs> pentecostal and it's the same thing it is the same thing. black church yeah mexican church you yep. can you can find a white church it's the same thing. oh for sure they have that deep growl yeah 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 shaky hands yeah they mad what they're, they're just mad and constipated what where? i don't think they boo-boo they need fiber <laughs> some of these people need a good bowel movement what their, when did that their bowels of compassion are blocked Perhaps with too many grilled cheese. <laughs> Continue, please. Ask your question. I apologize. Low uh, key, I don't, but what? No, no, we do not apologize. <laughs> uh, when did that start? And when did that culture become a thing? Um, you got to ask somebody older than me. Because this was here when I woke up. I've, I've, heard, I've heard people screaming in church as long as I... <laughs> As long as I, long as I've been alive, and I'm talking like we uppercutting people in the belly and we purging them, and I remember people spitting into trash cans and like they were coughing up demons. Running laps around the tree. Yeah, like 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 no, I vividly remember being in a church service where people were like coughing up demons. Like that's what they were saying was happening. And they put trash cans out. And people were like purging. They were like dry heaving, like they were throwing up into a wastebasket. And I was like, is the demon gonna go into the wastebasket? Like, how are these fools gremlins? Like, did did you did you swallow it's an imp? imp? It's a yeah, like, did you swallow? <laughs> did you eat hot tamales but accidentally swallow <laughs> El Diablo? Like this, you swallowed this fool? And so you are throwing him up? It was very, that was very strange. And it made the service very long. And then you wonder why the church didn't grow. Then the pastor is like, see, don't nobody, they they don't want to, the saint, uh, the, the the world don't want to be in the church. And it's, you, you know, they're, they're trying to justify the fact that there's 11 people and seven of them are your, have your last name, right? Because they're all your family. When, when the truth of the matter is like that environment is not conducive for growth. Like that, that's like, it's a four hour service and you casting out, de they got a demon every, they, they confess Jesus is Lord and they got that many demons. Now, I do uh, I, I do believe that some people have demons that need to be cast out of them. I believe in that, right? I, I went to a, a church service once where this dude's tongue came out his mouth and touched his chin. Then he started talking. As clear as I'm talking to you right now. Like, now, there's no way if my tongue came out of my mouth and touched my chin that I would be able to talk. Like this dude's tongue came out, touched his chin, and he was very clearly saying, I am a demon. I am a demon. And there was like 11 people around him speaking in tongues and laying hands on him talking about, no, you not. No, you're not. Stop saying that. And I'm on the side like, believe this fool. <laughs> this dude just said he had a demon. I believe him. I might have been saved like two and a half months. 
So, I mean, what did I know? But I'm over there like, I believe this fool has a demon for sure. Like, this dude's tongue has come out of his mouth, touched his tongue. I mean, tongue has touched the bottom of his chin almost. And he literally saying, I have a demon. And we over there consoling him, talking about, no, you don't. I don't, mm-mm. So certain things, but, but, but I have scripture for what casting out a demon looks like. And I don't, remember, I don't remember anybody, like, purging for, like, three and a half hours. Either you have, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Either you have authority or you don't. Stop playing. The less authority you have, the louder you got to get. The less authority you have, the louder you got to get, and the longer you have to go. The more authority you have, the less you got to talk. And the less you have to get loud. And the service ain't got to be that long. You gonna you have a three and a half hour tearing service? It took you that long to get a demon out? I'm trying to find. Do you feel like it's like it's too much? The attention in the theatrics, right? It's 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 at what point do you stop and just say, hey, we need to do this in a counseling session and not in front of the entire church? Well, um, the churches that won't stop it is because they love the show. Mm. They're addicted to the show. They want the show. They're looking for a demon. If it ain't no demon, we're going to make it one. Because they're addicted to the show. They're addicted to the power. I remember um, there was a demon-possessed girl in Mexico. Um, and uh, she's like 12. She was demon-possessed. Like legit demon-possessed. And um, they called the three most popular uh, pastors in in the in the area to come obviously they had relationships some ties to them and so they they called them all like together and they, they all knew each other it wasn't like three isolated people you know what i mean um but they called these three pastors to come over and like cast this demon out of this 12 year old girl and when, when the three pastors walked in uh this is a true story when three when, when three pastors walked in the little girl jumped out the bed and ran to the door and said, uh, you've been drinking all weekend. You're cheating on your wife. And I forgot what the other one was doing. And they were so shamed. All three of them. I, this is when they walked in the door. They didn't even get to like pull out the extra virgin olive oil or nothing. <laughs> that little girl jumped out the bed with that little demon in her and was like, you got drunk all weekend. And basically the demon was like, You've been partying with us. What, what you about to come do? Right? And so um, uh, so they all shamefully walked out the door. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. I can't even imagine. It's so embarrassing. We lost today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all three of these dudes took ales, fam. Ooh, that, that demon cooked them. Okay. Uh, then uh, they called some guy from like three hours away. So that he comes up. And... Uh, little girl's in a bed uh, and the guy walks in the house and he walks into the room and the little girl popped up in the bed and the demon said oh man him I'll go dude never opened his mouth that tormenting spirit left that little girl and she was fine he walked in with authority 
right? So let's, let's go back to the Bible. I call BS for everybody. Before you think I'm cussing, Bible study. <laughs> mm -hmm. Call BS, man. Bible study will save your whole life. So um, this is the book of Acts. This is like, where is, uh, it's not that far. Got to be maybe 15 or 14. Where is it? What are y'all laughing at? Oh no! Uh, there's just somebody who's repeated the question over and over, and it just just so intense. Um, oh, they have a question, and but they've sent it like 16 million times. Oh my goodness! And I'm like, should we? Should we just? Should we just say it? Maybe. But we're gonna we're gonna let you go first. That's gonna be the correct flow. Okay, no worries. Let let me just um. Uh, I'm really close to the address on this one. I just need to pull it up real quick because. Yes, 19. Thank you. So Acts 19. Like, this is some wild stuff right here, fam. Like, truly. This is some wild stuff. Okay, so. Um, uh, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits they tried to use the name of the lord in their incantation saying i command you in the name of jesus whom paul preaches to come out seven sons of siva a leading priest were doing this but one time when they tried it <laughs> the evil spirit replied i know jesus and i know paul but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Dude, one dude beat seven males but naked. Now, here's the most profound thing about that whole passage. Jesus I know and Paul I know. Did that did that demon call out any titles? Because demons don't care about titles. He didn't say bishop I know, prophetess I know, Anglican priest I know, apostle I know, pastor I know, evangelist I know, teacher I know. No, he said Jesus I know and Paul I know. Demons know names. They care nothing about titles. If you think your titles are going to make you um, immune to demonic attack, you are sadly mistaken. You can be Brother Johnson and get that tail tapped. <laughs> you can be Archbishop Johnson and get that tail tapped, right? You can be Volunteer Jenkins and get that tail tapped. You can be Apostle Jenkins and get that tail tapped. So the bottom line is your authority is going to come in the name of Jesus and the name you've been given, not the title you've been given. That's why you can't fall in love with a title, fam. The title ain't going to save you. Well, that's the uh, title don't make you, but it can break you.
it's it's the immediate like uncommitment in this in the way that they say it too right like the oh. jesus who who paul talks about yeah 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 it's it, not jesus it, who it, i talk about that's what i'm talking about my jesus oh like they disassociated themselves before the demon even ha- didn't have to do that so can we say based on this scripture that some people's antics in churches learn behavior you saw somebody with authority do it, and so you went to go mimic it, but you don't have what they have. Just because you put on Jordans doesn't mean you can dunk. You putting on Jordans is not going to make you score 30.1 point a game. Right? So, like, we got to... You got to get your weight up if you're really going to do this. If you're really going to be a disciple of Christ, you got to do that for yourself. If you're mimicking other people's behavior, I know a lot of times we see these little cute kids out here, 11, 12 years old, and they, you know, acting like they're speaking in tongues or they buck dancing and shouting and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, kid. Okay, church culture is one thing, but please don't grow up playing church. Because you, you can get out here in the spiritual world and get mollywop quick. So, for what that's worth. So, I know a lot of those stories are super intense. You know, the guy's tongue coming out to his chin. Oh, yeah. The Mexican story about the girl calling out the pastors and all that. But yeah. um, I did have a question on maybe some things that are not that intense that are still demonic. Yeah. Um, I went to a counseling session for myself, and I was telling her, you know, I've struggled a lot with, <clears throat> like, in the past with suicidal ideation depression and all that and I just kind of kept rambling because it was just a vulnerable moment Mm -hmm. and she's like I need you to know that like that's a harassing demon trying to distract you so I I've never felt like never convulsed I've never had like a crazy demon moment but she helped me understand that that is a distracting harassing demon so could you kind of walk us through that and getting deliverance in those instances absolutely so Uh, Let me be clear on one thing theologically, and some people might land different places theologically. I don't believe a believer in Jesus Christ um, can be possessed by a demon. I do believe that believers in Jesus Christ can be influenced by demons, okay? I don't believe they can be possessed because if that's the case, then the Holy Spirit is weak. Wow. I'm so sorry, but the Holy Ghost I know is too strong, right? If he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and he lives in me, I doubt a demon can get close. So I can't be possessed by a demon, but I can be influenced by demons. I can be harassed by demons. I can be tormented by evil spirits. And you have to know what you've opened doors up to in your soul, through your eye gate, through your ear gate, and even through your own mouth, your own words. Your words have power. Right. And so you really have to start investigating where is all of that coming from? Then you got to start shutting these doors. Right. Um, It's it's hard to you're going to be hard pressed to tell me that you're trying to overcome a spirit of lust when porn is still easily accessible on your devices. Uh, You watch stuff that would basically be triggers for more hardcore stuff. You listen to stuff that is so lewd and crude. I mean, face down, class up. That's the way we like to. Like, if you listening to all of that, like, if Doodoo Brown is real deep down in your spirit, if you got an old school two live 
crew Uncle Luke spirit, then I'm just saying you need you need you need to go to a soaking session in worship. Like you need three hours in his presence. And then you need to close those doors. Like you need to turn that secular music off. Now, listen, every time I go here, people, pe- people, people have made little idols out of their playlist, right? Because they be in certain moods. And I like Maverick City for this, but I like to kind of chill out and listen to that. Okay, you're gonna chill out and open yourself up to a whole demon. And then you having some pretty perverted dreams or you having some pretty perverted thoughts, but all you've been listening to is look them up and down and spin them around. And you know what I mean? A lot of dudes out here and girls uh, dealing with a lot of anger issues. But all you listen to is like some really aggressive, violent, angry, emo rap. You know what I'm saying? And so you got to you got to cover your ear gates. You got to cover your eye gates. You got to watch what comes out of your mouth, what you talking about, because that stuff will frustrate your spirit. It'll frustrate your soul. And so um, I'm glad you brought that up because everything is not in the dramatic antic type world. But I know some people I've sat down and had counseling sessions with them. And after the first session, I'm like. You you're under a word curse. Your mama cursed you by her words. And then you you've been repeating those words ever since. And that's why you stuck. We need to change the narrative that you have about yourself. And the moment we change the narrative we have about yourself, you won't even be stuck in this unhealthy pattern anymore. And then they're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I was. So kudos to you for going to counseling so that that could come up and out. And then you could break that that narrative and that thought pattern that was happening because I I truly believe that. um the reason why you don't see a lot of demon possession in America is because I think Satan has, um, he doesn't need to possess us in America. All he needs to do is distract us. So, you you know, you got these people fighting over here and arguing about racism. You got these people fighting over here and arguing about you know, Trinitarian versus oneness versus Baptist versus Pentecostal versus Church of God in Christ versus Pentecostal Assemblies of the World versus, right? It's like, so, so, so in America, the spirit of division reigns over the whole country. It's like, I don't need to possess anybody. I'll just divide them amongst, dividing them amongst, dividing them, right? And so, uh, y- y- you know, but in order to in order to 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 really take down a stronghold, and I learned this from Pastor Robert Morris, um, the only way you can take down a demonic stronghold is you got to come in with the opposite spirit. So if you, if you're in an industry that's real perverse, you got to come in with a spirit of purity. If you if you're in an industry that's very greedy, you got to come in with a spirit of generosity. Right. If if you walk into a climate that's very chaotic, you got to come in with a spirit of peace. If you're walking into an organization that's very very divisive, you got to come in with a spirit of unity. You got to find out what the what the spiritual climate is in an area, and you got to come in with the opposite spirit. Right? Like like the 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 this podcast space. What we, what we learned very very quickly is that there's a com- a competitive spirit. Right? 
What's the opposite of of competition? Right. We're, we're just going to come in. We're going to come in with a spirit of community. We're going to come in with a, with, a, with a spirit of brotherhood. Right. I'm not competing against you. I'm not competing against another podcast. I'm not tearing somebody else's podcast down to build mine up. No. I, and, and when there and when there's great podcasts, I'm going to mention those. And I hope people go subscribe to them and listen to them and put that into their repertoire. I'm not trying to be somebody's exclusive anything. I'm a part of your spiritual development in whatever way that you all think that makes sense. But I'm not trying to corner the market. Like, what are we talking? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, fam. I'm not some, some egocentric narcissist that's like, I'm going to be the best podcast that's ever been out there. I'm out here because the Lord told me to be out here. And to that end, I'm going to try to do the best I can giving people exactly what uh, God has given us. And as much as that helps, sweet. And whenever he tells me to stop, I'll stop. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not stopping for like 20 years. So I'm going to do this too. I'm at least 67. I don't even know if podcasts would be in at that time. I'm going to still be here like, back in the day, we used to be good. But no, I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here for that. In your in your personal life, do you have any stories where you've struggled with something that was harassing and a, a major distraction that you had to learn to work through? Oh, dude, it's, it's pornography, masturbation. Um, I was sexually abused by a teenage boy when I was eight years old. My sexuality was opened up at an age it should have never been opened up. No eight year old needs to be aware of their sexuality. Your brain's not ready for that. Your body is not ready for that. And I, that, 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 that switch was flicked on for me. Um, prepubescent. I hadn't hit puberty yet. So I'm eight years old and I'm aware of something sexual. I don't even know what was happening to me. So I'm like, what is, what do you even doing that right this is crazy that went on for like a six month period of time trigger alert because i know even saying this is gonna make some people vibrate and get shaky so i want to hold space for that and i I want you to know that i'm i'm prayerfully walking through this as we talk about it so i'm eight and so eight to twelve is kind of like a big a, a big dark void i'm I don't have, uh, I'm, I'm zero gravity. I, I'm disoriented. I'm not grounded. I can't share it with my parents. At, eight, at the age of eight, I, I, I felt like if I told my parents, my dad would kill him. My, my mom's heart would be broken. And, and it was just, it was, it was really bad. My grades um, suffered drastically. I, 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 I wet the bed almost every night. I peed in the bed almost every night. Um, I couldn't go sleep at friend's house. If anybody's watching this from my childhood, and you're wondering why I couldn't spend the night because I was going to pee your bed. So your bed, your mattress was not safe if I came over. I was going to pee that bed. <laughs> I was. And I, I could stop drinking water at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to pee in your bed. Involuntarily, but it was going to happen. And so I can't tell you how many mattresses I flipped, how many 
you know, bath towels I laid over a wet spot and it was, it was, it was, it was, oh God, it was, I can't imagine. Uh, I have a lot of grace for little Timmy because little Timmy, he went through some trauma, bro. He went through some traumas. It was so, oh, it was such a bad deal for him. But when I was 12, um, it's the first time I saw um, a nude image of a woman's body. And um, I I drank that image in. It was literally like if somebody a first drag of a cigarette or uh, took their first drink or sniffed their first line of Coke or did their first hit of meth, right? Like it could have, I could have been exposed to any of that. I mean, I'm a LA baby in the eighties. It was the snowfall fam, right? Under the Reagan administration, it was the snowfall fam. I could have easily had some crack, right? But God, right? Um, but I did see a new, I saw a centerfold uh, picture in a, in a Hustler magazine. I still remember it vividly. And all I know is that I didn't know exactly, I didn't know exactly what I was looking at. Like I knew this was a woman's body. I knew, I knew those were breasts. I knew that was a vagina. All I knew is I drank that image in and my body was like, give us more of that. And so, um, um, you know, I started stealing little magazines from the liquor store up the street and looking at stuff and, um, you know, I'd have like, Hey buddy, how are you, man? Daddy's talking about like pornography and erections and all kind of stuff right now. I just want I just want you to know that you just walked in on that. Okay, baby. All right. That was my 12 year old. I don't hide nothing from him, but I do let him have the option. Like, hey, you can stick around for this conversation or you don't have to. But what I'm not going to do is lower my voice. You good? Okay. Bye. <laughs> so anyway. Bye. So um, so anyway, I, I remember when I first started looking at um, these nude images, it, would, it, it was medication. Right. This wasn't. This wasn't even it was all I know is I wasn't thinking about my trauma. Right. And um, but, dude, I was I was having these. You know, really hard erections and. Didn't know anything about masturbation, masturbation. So I just had blue balls all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm walking like I just rode a horse for three hours <laughs> okay <laughs> uh and um and and then uh one day i i don't know what happened i put my hand on my penis and it felt good and i'm like oh this is a whole new world and so um i had that ejaculation and i have a dopamine hit that hits my brain and it was like the the chemistry was finally like, and there it is, right? The enemy was like, got him. So from 12 on, bro, like that was the fight. I gave my life to Jesus. I stopped hanging around certain friends. I wasn't going here, there, and everywhere. But, man, that porn and that masturbation was a booger. 
that thing walked straight up into my marriage. I got fired from a couple of jobs, disappointed Juliet, like, and I had to like, that was a booger to wrestle down, man. That thing was. Can we, can we go through, uh, your overcoming of it? Mm-hmm. Um, because I know like I had a struggle with it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have a struggle with this and, and it's the scene that comes to my mind is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie flight. Of course. With Denzel. Oh, absolutely. With addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, that, and then and the he next, opens the mini bar. The, but, but, but not just the mini bar. It was the, it was the, it was the room, the room next, next door. door. Yeah. And he got in there. Juliet and I were literally talking out loud, like, no. Yes. No. Yes. No. And you get that shot of his face and yep. he's just looking at it and yep. you're just screaming yeah, internally absolutely. like, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Please don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of us feel that way. Yep. But we're like, it's the, it's the addiction, right? Mm-hmm. So it is. how can we like really dive into the overcoming of this? Yeah. So the overcoming has to, it's twofold, right? First, you have to lock yourself out. You can't leave a door cracked. You leave a door crack and you already know you're an addict. Guess what's going to happen? You getting in that room. Okay. So you can't leave the door crack. But here's the other thing. You got to, you, you, you have, it has to be replaced. You got to, if, if your whole, I was just talking about this with my twin brother, Preston. If your whole goal for overcoming lust is to just starve it, That's not how you overcome lust. Remember, how do you deal with a spirit? You come in with the opposite spirit. So if lust is the issue, then you would need to come in with purity. Or you need to come in with love. And, but then you have to love something else. Right? When I was on Whole30, which my diet is pretty much still Whole30. That's how my weight stays regulated. Um, but when I was whole 30, which is literally meat, veggies, and fruit, you can't have anything processed, no bread, no beans, no rice, no candy, no cake, no, like anything processed, you don't eat, you eat meat, you eat veggies and you eat fruit. Okay. When I, when I went on, uh, that eating plan, I literally, do you know all I have, like I had. The reason people see me with my hair now, but them old school pictures, I'm like bald headed. And well, I've always been able to grow a healthy head of hair. Thank God. However, I thought I had such a bad scalp. I had like psoriasis. It wouldn't just be dandruff. It was like cornflakes. It would like scab up. And so I always just kept it shaved because that's the only way I could manage it. But do you know that wasn't my issue? That wasn't what was, I just didn't have psoriasis and, a, and bad scalp. It was the sugar. Sugar is what pre- produced all of that psoriasis on my scalp. And the moment I took sugar out of my diet, I no longer had dandruff. I know my, my scalp no longer uh, scabbed up. It was completely different. Why? My whole body had detoxed from it. Now, I wasn't eating Strawberry shakes from uh, uh, um, uh, Chick-fil-A or, or In-N-Out, and, and I wasn't having Bluebell ice cream. Unsweetened applesauce 
taste it like a candy bar. A banana was a Snickers bar. Sliced mango? Dried. Okay? Was literally Skittles. And it never caught, it, nothing was processed. And so if you take that same concept into your spiritual life, how much manufactured processed stuff are we putting into our onto our bodies? Let's go deeper. Into our onto our souls. Okay? As great as you think Pornhub is, man or female, male or female, your connection to yourself is a counterfeit for intimacy with someone else through marriage between a man and a woman. It's 2022. I had to take that all the way there. <laughs> Shout out to all my gays, lesbians, bi's, and tries who love the podcast, may not agree with my theology, or love the podcast and have killed their flesh so they can line up with God's word. Wherever you fall in, thanks for being in the basement right now. Um, hetero, homo, whatever it is, um, my masturbation was about medication. It wasn't even about gratification. And when I started to get victory in that area, I didn't want to masturbate anymore. Why? I had filled my time with other stuff. Now, does anything feel as good as that sexual release? No. So I'm not looking for the same high. I'm just looking to get rid of, to get that endorphin a different way. Well, a 45-minute ride on my Peloton with Robin, that'll kick them endorphins in. It ain't as pleasurable as masturbation. But I don't feel shame after I do it either. Right? <laughs> right? So, so, so we have to, it can't just be, I gotta, oh, I gotta stop. I gotta stop putting my hands on myself. You need to put your hands on something else. Right? Something else, not someone else, if you ain't married. <laughs> right? And this, this issue of pornography is not just a, a male problem, it's a female problem too. Right? And it's just too much out there right now to be, for y'all to be um, playing with this, I will. Uh, yeah, let me let me pull that up real quick. So, I think this is in Matthew. I think Jesus addresses this, and this is gonna. I know that some people gonna. They're, they're not gonna like this. They're gonna be like, ah, I don't think you. I don't. If nothing else, just just look at the continuity of it. Read this in context and see if he's not at least given like the implication of this, like a wink to it. If you think I'm stretching it, hey, at least at least I gave you some Bible study for you to go back. But I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. And in context and the way it goes, it, can't, it seems like he's doing one of these numbers like. Let's just see. Let's just see. Let's just see. Okay, here it is. Uh, this is Matthew chapter number five, verse number 27. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. 
But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But he doesn't stop there. Ready? So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, <laughs> you can't make this up. Get this, causes you to sin. Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body part. It is, you, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't ever masturbated without my eyes and my hands. And he put and he says it in the same context as starting with lust. Like not going to the action, but going to the epicenter, which is the thought. The thought leads to the action, right? So he goes, you've heard it said uh, that if, uh, you've heard it said thou should not commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. Here's what I come to tell you. If you look at her in a lustful way, you've already done it, right? What's up, pretty? How you doing? So, so, um, so you've already, so you've already, if you looked, it's already lustful, right? Then he goes straight to, so if your eye is sinning, if you catch your eye sinning, gouge it out. Now, please don't poke your eye out for real. But he's saying you need to take it that seriously. You need to be that relentless. You cannot trust your flesh like that, right? Then he goes, if your hand, even your stronger hand. Now, I know some of y'all be rubbing up on pillows and stuff and your teddy bear and you know, you got like a little, got a little bear with a hard nose or something like that. I don't know what y'all be doing. Uh, but all I'm saying is, because actually, I remember being in young adult ministry and somebody asked me, because um, I read that verse. And I, I love this girl's honesty because I had a young adult. I've always been like this. Like this, again, y'all, everybody just figuring out who I am. This is who I've been all the time, right? So when I was a young adult, uh, we did Q&A, and somebody brought up masturbation. And um, uh, I read this verse, and this girl raised her hand, and she was like, okay, okay, I get that. But, like, what if I'm using a toy? And it was almost like, well, okay, I, I won't touch it myself, but what if I'm using a toy? I was like, well, girl, if you got a wand, <laughs> right, if you got a vibrator down here and you plug it in, like, don't make your clitoris your idol. Don't make your penis your idol. You were you were made sexually, and if you if you like sex, I completely understand. Sex is bomb. God made it. It's awesome. Oh, it's so awesome. Oh, it's awesome. Um, but God made it to be enjoyed, explored, pleasurable in marriage. It's the only place He sanctioned it. And made it legal. It's in holy matrimony. 
and I and I know that, man. Every time I talk about this, somebody dies a thousand deaths. They they really do, and I get it. And uh, the the biggest misconception uh, that people think is that um, single people think, well, it's easy for you to say because uh, you're married. But if you don't if you don't get this conquered while you're single, don't think it goes away when you get married. Here's one of the biggest misconceptions that uh, single Christian people have about married Christians is uh, you can't talk to me about nothing because you're having sex. You get to have sex, right? I have to have sex with Juliet only. Who said that was easy? (laughs) Just came back from Miami. Listen. Muy, Muy caliente in Miami. I came home. When I came home from Miami, I was hungry. Sexually. Hungry when I came back from Miami. Um, it's just beautiful people everywhere. It's just, I don't know if they make them in a factory or what. So, so it, 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 um, it stirred my sexual appetite. Um, but I'm faithful to Juliet. So I came home and ate and ate. I did (laughs) show did eat. I drank from my own well. Right. Um, but if, but if I was single and I got stirred up like that, what, what, I just do the best I can, and when I fall, I mean, what, what can I do? When I get married, then this won't be a problem. Oh, you're going to bring that monster with you. So how you act when you're single is how you're going to act when you're married. And all I'm trying to say is, do you want your husband, young lady, competing with your wand? I don't have a lot to say about sex toys for a married couple. I don't know what challenges you may or may not have and what you think you need to... Um, bring to the bedroom to help stimulate a good experience for you all. I know you shouldn't bring porn into it. If you're a married couple, why would you need porn to be your teacher? You know what I'm saying? Like you got some carnal people out here and Mm-mm, no, Juliet and I put porn to shame. We don't need no porn. We, we, what we got going on is better than porn because it's legal. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is legal. And so you want to explore if you're, if you're a believer and you're and 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 both of y'all are committed to Jesus and each other and you're married, like y'all, y'all should explore each other sexually. Um, I, I'm going to give a life hack to all the husbands right now. Uh, men, your wife has a clitoris. The only reason why that clitoris is there is to be pleasured. And if you pleasure her, you will get whatever you want. I'm tired of men uh, talking about what they want their wife to do, and their wife ain't had an or- orgasm since they got married. But this man been nutting every time. I'm, I'm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Make that girl's leg shake. You can get pretty much whatever you want. But she has a button you don't. It's there to be pleasured. You're supposed to pleasure your wife. That's what Sarah said when when uh, when God said you're going to have pregnancy. She said, should a woman my age, as old as me, experience pleasure? Y'all think I'm lying. Y'all think <laughs> I'm lying. Talking about it. But my 
Someone in the chat said that we're nasty in Jesus' name. <laughs> Ain't nothing I'm doing nasty. <laughs> with my wife. Everything I do with my wife is bomb. And it's legal. Ain't nothing nasty about it. And that's what we need to redeem. Do you know how many do you do you know how many Christian married people mm. have shame mm -hmm. in their sexual expression? Because what they were told leading up to their wedding day is that this is dirty, 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 dirty. And then on your wedding day, it's supposed to all of a sudden be clean. We got to stop lying to people. Sex is bomb. My boys already know. Sex is dope. They're 14 and 12. I want them to long for it and look forward to it in a very healthy way. I'm not going to tell them, oh, my God, it's terrible. If you do it, it's terrible. Don't do that. It's bad. It's not bad. It's good. But it's great in marriage. Okay. Um, so, um, on the same day, Thomas Abraham sitting there. Where is Sarah? Why is Judah? Oh, man. Why is my brain today? I know it. Okay, hold on. Get all of these scriptures that come to my mind, and I have everything memorized in King James. So, <laughs> experience pleasure. Okay. This is, yeah, eight eighteen twelve. I knew I was close. Um, taking those glasses off and on. So, um, Genesis eighteen, verse number. I'll I'll start at ten. Then one, and then one of them said, "I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son." Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abram, Abraham, and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? If y'all think she was just talking about a baby, stop playing. Stop playing. Sex is all throughout this Bible. And when it's in the covenant of marriage, it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. You know what Isaac did? You know the first thing Isaac did? When he saw Rebecca coming back with Abraham's servant, he ran up to that girl, took her away from that horse, pulled her into Sarah's tent. His mama was dead. <laughs> he pulled her into his mama's tent, lifted up that dress, and consummated his marriage. He was so happy to get some. Listen, when you, when you, listen, you should be happy to get some. I'm happy when I get some. I'm relaxed when I get some. I feel connected when I get some. I don't want to connect to myself. I want to connect to my wife. You know what I'm saying? And so some of y'all just need to sit down. The married people need to sit down and actually talk about your sexual needs and what you need from your spouse and what you like, what you don't like. And if you don't, if y'all in agreement on on a sexual act, you just don't do it. So stop trying to turn your spouse into the perverts you've been watching 
online. Right? Like, stop. They're paid actors. Your spouse is not a paid actor. They're not paid to have sex on command. They're not actors. They're they're living in real life. Right? So, um, yeah, I hope that helped. What would you say to the the couples that are dealing with the shame of sex in their marriage because of being told that it's dirty and it's wrong and then like all of a sudden it's okay. Yeah. They need to go see a, a sex therapist, yeah. a Christian one. I promise you it's, it's, it, it's, it's terrible what the church has done to the narrative around sex. We, we haven't we have not had a, a healthy sex culture. And so in many ways uh, the evangelical church suffers from the same kind of different that the that the uh catholic church does what the catholic church says hey no sex for our priest well guess what happens they wind up abusers because they don't have a healthy sexual outlet well what what happens what happens in a lot of protestant churches evangelical churches these husbands and these wives wind up having affairs why they're sexually repressed they have not been given permission to have healthy sexuality and sexual expression within their marriage where it's very, very fulfilling and it's very, very good for both parties. Hear me when I say this. This is where I'm going to sound like a low-key feminist again, where it's very, very mutually gratifying for both parties. I am not for this man being able to have an orgasm and his wife has never had an orgasm. That clitoris is there, dude. Find it. Put your tongue on it. Right. Put your fingers on it. Rub it around. Right. It takes women three times as long to have a orgasm than it does men. OK. Some of some of these dudes are, you know, two pump chumps. So, how, how dude, if you're going to go three pumps, please give this girl. <laughs> go down on her. Right. And stay down there. You, you know what I mean? Give her three or four earthquakes and then come up and then if you're two pumps she don't care at least she had hers but dude what and you want her to and she's supposed to and she supposed to be happy when you come home <laughs> you a two pump chump stop playing y'all play too much out here fam so um i just i just hope people um i'm very you know i can I could talk about this all night. I could literally talk about sex all night because I literally did work to redeem the narrative of sex of sex around my sexuality. I was molested by a teenage boy, fam. I could have literally been turned out and wound up homosexual. That's not the way it worked in me. But to redeem sexuality mutually just between Juliet and I, that, that was work. And I worked and and we worked it. And so... Now I'm supposed to like whisper it or oh I don't well, we we don't we don't talk about that. Please, I do. We have to normalize the conversation. We have to normalize the narrative. Or else we can't the Bible's the Bible's pretty open on it. If I just did a dry run through Song of Solomon, half of y'all would have to log off. <laughs> I think a lot of people are finding out that the, the basement's a different type of situation. Oh, we built different down here, fam. I don't, I don't, 
I don't know what's going on in that chat right now, but oh, you, they're going crazy. <laughs> you, 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 you find you gonna find out today. There's nothing off limits down here. We talk about everything down here. Why shouldn't we? Everything's going on. We're not gonna talk about it. I'm gonna be censored on it. If we can't talk about it down here, we can't talk about it anywhere. We've already, you know, what we hear a lot from the dwellers is thank you for talking about stuff that. You know, we don't talk about it in church, or they. Uh, so I'm not. We're not gonna get to sex, and then I'm gonna start whispering. I don't want nobody to get offended, man. Please talk about this, please. Go do your work. Some of you ladies need to. Um, if you if you suffered some 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 um, sexual trauma, you might need to have your p- pelvic floor, um, looked at. Um, uh, and 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 there might be some modalities that you have to go through to you get fully healed but but man a, a um um a sexually satisfied woman is a really different person mm-hmm. a sexually satisfied man is a really different person i talked about being in miami and oh you see a lot of beautiful people it just made me hungry it didn't, it didn't make me hungry for them it made me hungry for my wife so i came home and ate you know what i mean because what i got at home is good so there was nothing out there that I was like, oh, man, maybe I should stay here another night and see what I can get. No, man. No, no, I'm drinking from my own well. Because a promiscuous woman, her bed leads to death. My my bed leads to life. Life everlasting. <laughs> I feel like that's a result of a calibrated appetite. For sure. Like you have calibrated that appetite. And there's like a lot of people run around and their appetite's controlling them. That's They're not correct. controlling their Oh, appetite. yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. So that's where the danger comes in. That's where, like, you get you get just screwed up. Let, let me tell you, because uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff right now about uh, monogamy and uh, polyamorous relationships, polygamy, um, you know, multiple partners, stuff like that. There's a lot of people out there in, in the sexual expression world that think that monogamy is unnatural, that um, humans weren't made for monogamy, and this is why... Divorce rate is fifty percent, all that kind of stuff. Um, but but I see monogamy just like I see meal prep. I make all my food at home. <laughs> I eat what I brought to the house, fam. You know what I'm saying? I could I could have McDonald's for breakfast. I could have Chipotle for lunch, and I could have Olive Garden for dinner. Or I can meal prep. And 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 I trust what's going into my body safer. When I buy it and prepare it myself. <laughs> so monogamy to me is meal prep. I just I just get it in with what's in my house. What's in my house is good. <laughs> hey. Let me tell you, I'm I'm I've been with Juliet for 24 years. Known her for 24, been married for 23. I am as attracted to her today. Actually more. Cause I love what my sons did to her body. Like she, she had them babies and filled out of some places. And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in love with my wife and I'm still sexually attracted to her. Uh, I enjoy being with her and she fulfills my appetite. I don't long for any of my past, uh, tryst or any girls I was with in the past. I don't, I don't think about other women when I'm with my wife. I'm, totally and exclusively um, committed to her mind, body, and soul. And 
when I'm away, I think about coming home and drinking from my well. Because it is well with myself and my loins. All right. I think this person has an anonymous name, but uh, they have it as Meme Jenks. But it's a woman and she's asking... uh, my husband has cheated on me multiple times. Mm. And I'm assuming by the way it's phrased, it's not happening anymore. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to forgive. Understood. Any advice on how I could go about that? Yeah. So, um, okay. So he cheated on you multiple times. He's not doing it anymore. And um, you've obviously forgiven him because um, you didn't say ex-husband. So you all are still together, but the tr- the trust has been uh, shattered, right? It hasn't been fractured; it's been shattered. And when trust has been shattered, um, you can't try to repair it, right? If if you broke a vase in three places, you could probably create crazy glue it back together. If the vase shatters, you're not going to get a vase back, but you could get something else back. Right, you could take those pieces and make something else with it, and so in the same way that trust being broken, you have to take those pieces and make something else with it. Um, I hopefully your husband's aware of this, but he's he's lost uh, the benefit of doubt forever. Like he doesn't get that back, and hopefully he understands that, and he doesn't make you enforce that. Hopefully he enforces that on himself. With that said, uh, I would also encourage you to do your own work of healing outside of your husband Um, because there was something um, uh, that was broken in you. Uh, It was based on his actions, but um, his actions is not responsible for your complete healing, right? His actions play a part in your healing, but you have to go do that deep work yourself. And it's going to be work. Um, but if you're committed to that work, I, I can't tell you how many um, couples I have seen bounce back from infidelity. I've, I've seen multiple couples, uh, not multiple, dozens of them be able to do that. I've, I've known people who have uh, cheated on each other, got divorced, and then remarried uh, the person that they cheated on and they they've lived happily ever after and God's done some healing. So it is work, but if you're committed to the work, um, then I'm telling you that you can have a relationship, um, that is stronger than the one you previous had. Uh, but you have to commit to doing that work. So I hope I answered that question. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, listen, infidelity is, uh, the result of, um, a lot of stuff, but if I were to just kind of boil it down, it's somebody believed a lie. That's where it starts. You start believing a lie about your spouse um, and yourself that puts you in that position. The subcategories are endless, right? Um, but at the epicenter, in, in my findings, all the people I've counseled, infidelity always starts with a lie that you believe and a lie that you have about your spouse. And if you can get to the root of those lies and replace it with the truth, uh, all of that behavior goes away. Yeah. 
I know a uh, personal story. Uh, maybe two months ago, uh, I had to talk to my wife about the struggles I had been having. Yep. And it hurts and it was really scary. But the worst thing that I did in that season is I would go cold turkey from uh, porn addiction or any sort of sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. And it'd be great, but I would keep my cold turkey time to myself and I wouldn't mm. celebrate with my wife. So since I had been deceptive and even though I celebrated alone, I still had narrative in my head. And I guess I can, if I mess up, I'll just keep it to myself and I'm going to go cold turkey again. Mm. Endless cycle. Yeah. Eventually I'm like, dude, I literally, I have to tell my wife. For sure. I will physically cheat on her if I don't get rid of this now. Yeah. And it was a horribly painful conversation. She's so forgiving, represents yeah. Jesus so well. Yep. Um, a lot of women do. Yeah. And they can be take the the higher road in yep. that scenario. And I was crying like a baby on one of the trails that we walk every day with our dog. Uh, but it took that time and now it's been a healing process together. Yes. So I just wanted to ask, like with you and your wife, when you've had to be honest. Do you have any any stories where you've had to really build up courage or have you always been naturally honest? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I was lying. I started lying when I was eight years old. I became a professional liar at eight years old. So I could hide what was traumatic for me so that it wouldn't hurt other people. I brought that into my marriage as well. I brought, you know, you, you, my, my wife mar- married my representative. <laughs> You know, and so um, I brought lies into the marriage about porn addiction and and how I was feeling about uh, myself, my low self-esteem, my low self-worth, all that kind of stuff. And um, I had, I'm the t- when I gave my life to Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit, um, I love Jesus. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is real for me. I cannot keep a secret. It will eat me up. And even when it was the most painful for me to have to share, and I knew it was going to be shameful for me and upset Juliet, and I, there was no way I could not say it because I wanted to be free. And when you've been hiding under 15 blankets, Mm -hmm. taking those off is going to be work. And sometimes, you you know, if you're under 15 blankets and your spouse comes and reaches for the first one, she uncovered something. But now there's 14 blankets to go. (laughs) Right? And so there's layers to this. And you have to, um, either they're going to pull back all these layers and get to the bottom of it, or you're just going to have to push from the bottom and get that stuff off of you. And I just, for me, I just wanted that stuff off of me. I didn't want no secrets with my wife. And um, that meant I was going to have to share some stuff with her that I basically wanted to take to my grave. Or I wanted to tell my accountability circle, or I only wanted to tell my therapist, but I was never going to tell her. But then I'm like, if I hide it from her, I'm hiding it from me. 
Because my wife is me outside of me looking back at me, talking to me about me. We are one flesh. So if I lie to her, I'm actually lying to myself. And um, I got tired of lying to me about what I could handle. I got tired of lying about me, about I'm strong enough. I, I know I just did it this time, but I won't do it again. How many times have you said that with your addict self? Tim, how do you trust yourself after? You don't have no empirical data. You cannot be free with the lights off. You can only be free with the lights on. And so everything about my life, my phone, my wife is not no jealous micromanager of, of a wife. That's not who she is. And so for me, like this is all about my phone is an open she can get in there and do whatever she wants to, but I don't got nothing to hide. I'm only, I was, you know, our, our hardest parts, uh, the hardest parts of our marriage was basically when I wouldn't be truthful. Those are the hardest parts of my marriage. And that was all pride and shame to try to cover something that I knew I could never get victory over alone. And when I stopped trying to get victory alone and I actually partnered with Juliet and stopped trying to fight against her, um, and the enemy lying to me, trying to make me think that she's better than you. She got saved when she was nine, and you got saved when you were 20, and she can't relate because she haven't been through nothing. Lies. Lies. Did Juliet know about your sexual abuse before you were married? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've always... I, I, I didn't have a problem telling her about what was... Mm. I had a problem telling her what what is you know what i mean um and and so that's just this is a caution to people you don't you don't want to you don't want to be talking about a present masquerading as a past if you have something presently going on don't try to make it sound like it's a past thing going on just Tell the truth and be like, you know what? This is a present struggle for me. And I need lots of space and lots of grace. And it's not all in you. This is not your, my, my, my trauma and my addiction, addictive behavior. That came way before Juliet did. So it would be a lie to try to say that it's because of her. Or that she has actually anything to do with her. It affects her, but it's, it wasn't caused by her. So, so I had to go address my pain. I had to go do some soul care and some work to get free in some areas. Marriage counseling wasn't going to help me with my addiction. I had to go do some counseling to help with my addiction. And then that subsequently helped us in our marriage. So you got to be committed to doing that work. Got a question from Farron says, uh, girlfriend and I are unequally yoked, but that wasn't discovered until year three with a baby on the way. I found Jesus again and now trying to be the man that God has called me to be in the midst of the mess that I created, asking for advice and prayer. Yeah, that's that's a tough situation, especially when a baby uh, gets involved And, and, you know, unequally yoked, but you came but you willingly was in this relationship and then you gave your life back to Jesus and started to be committed. Um, 
a lot of people think that's an instant out for the relationship. Well, gave my life to Jesus, we're unequally yoked, and I'm leaving you. No, 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 no. Paul has some things to say about that. And um, uh, you need to walk through that with some with some care. So let me uh let me at least pull that up since I referenced it. This has been like I I like Livember. Livember is like um a real good a real good break from like guests and stuff. This is good. And I love the guests that we have and we're going to go swimming back in that in that Google form. <laughs> In those Google forms, I know y'all up there like, is are you gonna pull my name or not? <laughs> I know some of y'all are pissed, but you'll be all right. Um, uh, so this is First Corinthians chapter number seven, uh, verse number twelve. I'll start from verse number twelve. Now, I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a Christian man has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy. But now they are holy. Parenthetically, but if the husband or wife who isn't a believer, insist on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Now listen, I take, take the word literally. And, oh, let me just say, uh, we put out a we put out a clip. Um, uh, I can't remember when we put the clip out, but I talked about uh, God literally saying uh, He is not enough. He literally didn't say He was not enough. I've I've had so many people uh, correct me, and, and you're right. God did not literally say He is not enough. Um, by His strongest implication, He was letting you know He is not enough on Earth. Okay, and and I know. To say God is not enough in any context just makes religious people, I won't even call you religious, it makes God-fearing people get really, really nervous. As if God's not big enough to be able to handle the intercompatibility uh, that he made between humans. It's okay, he's He's fine. I promise you he's fine, baby. He's not jealous of his own creation. He's jealous when you try to deify something he created over the creator so uh, let me go on record but let me look at right in this camera god did not literally say he is not enough i'm aware of that i made a mistake i'm not taking down the post i made it in the context of what i was saying i was talking about uh what he strongly implied when he said it's not good for man to be alone what he is strongly implying is that I am not enough for man on earth. There. Make sure you clip that. Put that out. In Jesus' name, maybe maybe somebody will stop playing. Okay, anyway. Now, back to this. Um, don't you, wives, don't you know that your husband might be saved 
because of you. And husbands, don't you know that your wives might be saved because of you? Because of you. Not because of what you're trying to make them do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Didn't see that coming, did you? So you're a believer and they're an unbeliever. Stop harassing them. They, they, they love being with you, they, but, but you're nagging them about their faith walk. How would you feel? First of all, remember when you weren't saved. Right, this is a person you got with. You're married. Paul says it very, very clearly. Hey, don't immediately chunk the deuces to these people. They might give their life to Jesus because of you. They might be saved because of you. But it's going to have to be because of your actions. So if both of y'all used to smoke weed together and now you go to church, but they smoke weed, let them smoke their weed, man. Go to church. Get on you. Pray for, pray for them. Come home. Love on them. I know you don't like weed smoke no more. Set some boundaries. Like, hey, please don't. I don't want to contact high. Could you please go out on the balcony and smoke your blunt? You know what I mean? In a state that it's legal. So let's do that too. I want nobody going to jail. Um, uh, but but you have some work ahead of you. And I understand. I understand that, you know, you, you were unequally yoked and and now you got a family and you're trying to figure it out. Um. But scripture is clear that you shouldn't automatically divorce. Now I'm going to say something that this is going to be, I know it's going to be inflammatory for some. Um, if, 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 if it's two men and you're married and then you give your life to Jesus in the relationship. If it's two women and you're married and you give your life to Jesus in the relationship. Because you have no biblical grounds to support the marriage in the first place. So there's that. You're kind of uh, touching this this question already, so I'm going to expand a little bit more. But Sierra's wanting to know, can you touch on the different spiritual levels in marriage? Um, you mentioned how Juliet was saved at nine, and mm -hmm. they assume that you were at different spiritual levels. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so uh, Juliet gave her life to nine, gave her life to Jesus at nine years old, and she has never stopped walking with Jesus since nine years old. He's been very committed. I gave my life to Jesus at 20, and I came in with a lot of baggage. I came in with a lot of carnality. I came in with a lot of worldly perspectives. And so um, uh, there, there was just, I just had a lot more hurdles and challenges uh, to overcome in that regard than Julia did. And um, while we were at different spiritual levels, there, there wasn't a... Um, it was never a, a matter of incompatibility, nor was it a matter of like incongruency, right? Where, where it was like, oh, we can't even get along because, you know, Juliet prays three hours a day and I only pray for 14 minutes a day. Like, like it's when you say different spiritual levels, I don't want you to think that that means incompatibility. Um, people have. Uh, in the same way you're you're physiologically you have growth spurts at different points in your life and most girls mature faster than boys do physiologically um spiritually you might be growing at different paths as well but find the places of compatibility that you have with each other find the places of connectivity and you may be a person that you love reading 10 chapters a day in your bible and you go to sleep listening to the bible on tape and um, 
but don't judge your partner. Please, please, please don't judge your partner. And even, let me be even more specific, stop comparing your devotion to God to theirs. Well, I get up every morning at five and I pray for an hour and I read my Bible before I get up and go to work. This fool doesn't get out the bed until 730. I mean, he reads this like little, little devotional, like my utmost to his highest. But I mean, God, it's like a, it's only a page. I want to go deeper. Well, you go deeper. Invite them to go deeper. Maybe they don't want to go deeper right now. Maybe they can't go deeper right now. And let's just be honest, utmost to his highest hits different. That page is dope. Right? That little devotional is top notch. It's been around for, I think, uh, close to 100 years maybe? Utmost for his highest? Maybe not 100 years. Maybe 70. I don't know. Um, I, mean, I might need to ask Siri that. Um, hey, Siri. When did Upmost for His Highest come out? Upmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Hold on. When did this come out? Okay. When did Oswald Oswald Chambers Right, I can't type. Utmost for his nineteen thirty-five. So I was right. It was it's close to a hundred years old. Holy cow! That's pretty awesome. It's eighty-nine years old, fam. It might do y'all well. To read that. 1935. Wow. Anyway. Uh, stop comparing yourself to your spouse as it relates to your spiritual walk and your spiritual growth. Um, they might not ever get to where you are. You might not ever get to where they are. Make sure you find common ground to where y'all can be compatible and walk and walk stuff out. Don't let the enemy divide you over your prayer life. Good Lord. Y'all going to get a divorce over who reads the Bible longer? Stop playing. Take a walk. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Krista asks, what happens when you leave an abusive marriage that had also trained uh, sexual behavior? I don't want those images or the desires. Yeah. Oh, therapy. Please don't do this on your own. And please don't think this is going to happen at an altar call. You need therapy. Point blank, period. Go see a therapist. 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 Right now. Go see a therapist. Ask me how. Go see a therapist. Call him now. Go see a therapist. Go see a therapist. Go see a therapist. No, you really need to go see a therapist. Mm. Uh, if you if you are trained a, a certain sexual way and you don't want those images and 
that stuff is in your neuropsychology now. It's in your body. Your body keeps score. You need to probably need to go, go do some EMDR and get some of that unraveled. So I would say go see a therapist. Here's a good follow-up. Uh, what advice do you have for some of those that have been delivered from sexual immorality but have a blanket of shame that keeps them from sharing their testimony? Oh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, shame off of you. Look right in this camera. Who who said it? Uh, Krista. Hey, Krista. I love you. I love you so much, and thank you so much for being um, vulnerable enough to even write that in the chat. Uh, if you've had a lot of sexual promiscuity in your past, you got a high body count, you feel shame about that. Girl, shame off of you. Shame off of you. You've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. You have been restored. Shame off of you. If the last body you caught was four months ago, girl, shame off of you. Mm -hmm. If it was four days ago, shame off of right. you. Right? Yes, you're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is amazing. That's what helps us not sit in our sin and wallow in it. Mm -hmm. Right? That makes you get up because you, when you fall in the mud, you're like, Daddy, I'm dirty. Right. I want to be clean. And, and 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 according to first John, chapter number one, when we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to to, to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our all of our unrighteousness. Not some of it, girl, all of it. So not just one of them, all of them, everybody you caught. Off of you. All right. So shame is off of you. And once you get that shame off of you, you might be dealing with regret or remorse. Because of what you stepped into. I need you to give yourself a lot of grace. I need you to give yourself loads of grace. Because now that you're rationally thinking, you know for a fact if you were in your right mind, you wouldn't have done it the way that you did it. And so if you can get down to the root of what caused you to get there, be more curious than you are offended with yourself. Don't be offended with yourself. Be curious with yourself. What made me go there? What was, what was going on in me and my body? What is going on in my past? I, I would, I would. What's her name again? Krista. 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 I think. I here. Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hold on. Okay. I want you to have a lot of grace for little Krista. I want you to have a lot of grace for little Krista. Because I think little Krista has informed a lot of big Krista's behavior. And because she was scared and she was unsettled and she wanted love, she thought the only way to get it was in a sexual way outside of marriage. And man, when we're scared, we, 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 we do a lot of things to feel safe. And I just, want you to, I just want you to give yourself a lot of grace. I want you to give yourself a lot of empathy. And I want you to give your, I want you to be very curious with little Krista. Because I think she, she has some things to say. And perhaps because 
she hasn't had a safe place for words to come, actions have come. You know, if you've been down in the basement for any length of time, you know that whatever doesn't come up and out of your mouth through words will come up and out of your body through actions. And anybody that I has that that I have seen uh, uh, live out or act out uh, uh, promiscuously, which I did too, I acted out a lot younger, um, promiscuously. It's it's because I didn't have words, and because I didn't have words, I had these actions, and my actions were very sexual. Um, and uh, so I want you to give yourself a lot of grace, and if that starts with some tears tonight. Uh, we welcome them. I welcome them. Uh, if you were here, uh, I would give you the biggest big brother hug. Um, because I would just want to wrap my arms around you as a male and um, let you know what a safe hug is like from a man who doesn't want to have sex with you. Uh, but just cares for you as a person and wants to give you an appropriate hug. Uh, that that makes you feel safe. Um, so I'm giving you virtual hugs. And the community, I don't know who's in the chat right now, but if y'all would just put some hug emojis in there for Krista, uh, I think that would be really, really good for her. You're sharing a lot of love for her right now. Good, I'm really grateful. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's good. It's good night. Oh, that felt, that felt good. That felt good. That felt good. That's it. That's it for the night. That feels good. That feels like a good place to stop. Live Ember has been amazing, dude. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I can't believe it's 11-13. Shout out to anybody on the East Coast. Who's on the East Coast still watching? Who's in the chat? How many people in the chat? There's 1,300 people in the chat. Every, every week it grows, man. It's it's We're going to hit 100K soon. This is crazy, y'all. 1,300 people in the chat, 11.13 Central Standard Time. Pacific Standard Time is living their best life right now. It's only 9.13. They're like, I'm going to be refreshed for work. East Coast is like, I'm going to need an espresso in the morning. <laughs> Shout out to the East Coast, uh, wherever y'all watching from, uh, other other countries, wherever y'all watching from. 1,300 in the chat is just... That's nuts, dude. That's bananas. That's bananas. Thank you all so much. I love you guys so much. Live Ember is dope. I love this spontaneous kind of Q&A. I love when we have a guest that's here or at the studio and and, and we're just diving into them. But kind of to be able to just kind of rapid fire with the community, that's dope. Now, sometime next year, please don't start asking us about firm dates yet. Sometime next year, type it with me in the chat. Sometime next year. I didn't say January. I didn't say February. I didn't say March. I didn't say everybody. <laughs> Sometime next year, uh, we're gonna pick a couple of cities. Um, this is this is a this is a grassroots movement, y'all. Yes. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when we say we coming to a city, I'm saying we paying to come to a city. I ain't saying like <laughs> you know what I mean? We we got all this dough and we just going on the 10 city stop. It might not be 10 cities. It might be three. And we might pick some zones where it's easy for people to drive a couple of hours away. I don't know. Um, but this is going to be the vibe when we, when we get to do a live basement yeah. and we actually have, you know what I mean? An intimate audience and we just get to 
have people raise their hands and talk in person. Oh, I'm already in love with that. You know what I mean? That's going to be fire. Oh, I'm so hyped. I'm hyped just saying it, dude. That's going to be fire. Oh, that's going to be dope. That's going to be dope. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Hector. And uh, something that we've been doing, chat, is we, we have been uh, building up our dream list of who we would love to have on the pod. Mm. Um, one movement I always see fan bases do is they will start tagging the creator they would love to see on a certain podcast to get interviewed by. If y'all have somebody you would love to see on the pod, don't be afraid to send them a clip and tell them you should probably be on the basement. Oh, wow. So dream with us is all I'm saying. Oh, that's cool. Dream with us and... Uh, we we want we're all in this together, and this is uh, this is a dope community. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because obviously, I mean, we you know that Google form is amazing, and I'm grateful for all the people that have filled out the form because we literally get to swim around in there, and and we're we're just really spirit led on who we ask to come on the pod. We're, we're mm-hmm. it's it's not like we're going like oh this person is in ministry, so of course they're going to get on, or oh this person is. I don't know, whatever. Like we we're just spirit led with it. And so and and so and we're gonna do this for a long, long time. And so we're gonna have a lot of guests on the show. You know what I mean? Because we're gonna be doing this for a very long, long time. With that said, I, I didn't even think about the community letting us know like who they would want on. And and so I, I concur with heck. Like if if there's somebody that you want on, um let them know. You know what I mean? And and then if it's the Lord, they'll, they'll respond. You know what I'm saying? I don't, yeah, I I think that's dope. Here's another thing I want to say. One of the, one of the clips that we just put out, which one was it? It was, it was yesterday, but what was it about? It was yesterday and it was the, man, it was a basement dweller that had tagged us in a story and recommended that we did it. And it's it was Reva Henry. I already know she, that's, that's my homie, 50 grand. Oh, it Reva, was it, Reva Henry. It, it was about church and manipulative, manipulative leaders. Yes, absolutely. And you never believed in Jesus. Uh, you believed in your pastor. That's right. Exactly. And it is still going so viral right now. It's probably our fastest uh, watch through rate video of all time that yeah. we've ever made. And so, so here's what I want to say to that is my friend Reva uh, she like was watching it and she kind of like clipped it and, and showed it in her Insta story and was like, yo, this needs to be a clip. So if y'all have, you know, if there's anything about like, like Hector and Sam, they go through and they timestamp everything. If there's something that you think the community needs or you, you just want, like this one should be blasted, right? right. All you got to do is, like show that clip or clip that clip and then just just send us a dm and write clip it send it to sam send it to hector you can send it to my account although you know i'm not gonna be looking at it (laughs) i probably won't be looking at i see a little bit of stuff but most of the stuff shout out to huli huli's on the team now she's in team basement and she is our social media girl we just hired her and she's starting and so She's handling a lot of that for us. I'm so happy for that. Um, but yeah, just write clip it and and just say, hey, yo, you should clip, you know, that whole thing you said about sex and sexuality, clip it. What you said about clitorises, clip it. Like what you said about masturbation, clip it. I mean, I mean, if it's tonight's episode, I mean, 
I mean, we walked through a whole lot of stuff that was sexual. So there might be some clips that 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 are cool for that. Whatever. We could start a whole hashtag clip it. Clip it. Yeah. Start a hashtag clip it. You, you know. And so, yeah. If you, you if you find something um, uh, that you find that you that you feel like you know what this portion of the pod would I think you should put that out. Just let us know. We're 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 doing this together, y'all. We are just this organic community that's kind of growing together, and uh, I really love it. I really love it. And for all of y'all in here on a on a on a Tuesday night, thirteen hundred in the chat on a Tuesday night. Listen, I don't take that for granted. I know I know people streaming live on Sunday mornings that wish they had thirteen hundred people in the live chat. So I don't take it for granted. I don't take you all for granted. This is a uh, this platform is ours. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to us. God's called me to steward it. He's called us to steward it. So we're we're going to do that to the best of our ability. But it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to us. And uh, we we couldn't do what we're doing without you. Actually, we could. I need to take that back because some people say that and we would do this without you only because God told us to do it. And so we have yep. to be obedient to to Him. And so if all of y'all stopped watching right now we would still do this because god hasn't told us to stop so i want to i want to rephrase that um it's more enjoyable with you yes we could do this without you we don't want to Mm -hmm. it is way more enjoyable with you your 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 live interactions you all being in the chat this month um you are contributing to the content that's literally coming out of my mouth um it's way more enjoyable with you I love you guys so much. Uh, to all my press beers, to all of my uh, basement dwellers, and to all of uh, our basement promoters, thank you for supporting this pod. Thank you for believing in this movement. And uh, your five, your 10, and your $20 uh, mean a lot to us. They they help us re, you know, re-up on what we're doing, reinvest in what we're doing, and to continue to provide this content. So I really appreciate you all. I love you all. And until next time, peace.